Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to Episode 71 of the Flying Free Podcast. This episode is sponsored by the private Flying Free Sisterhood Community. That's a group made up of hundreds of women just like you who are getting education and support, and they're healing from their dysfunctional relationships. You can learn more about this group and hop on the waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. Let's dive into our topic for today. I want to talk today about the difficulty so many of us have in saying a two-letter word, N-O. To say no is to be mean and selfish, right? (laughs) Let me read you a verse that might be familiar to you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think that those are beautiful verses, but how many times have we heard those verses quoted when somebody wants us to serve in some way? Come and make my church or my ministry big and great by becoming a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. If you don't, you haven't been sufficiently renewed in your mind, and you'll need to come to our 12-step discipleship program so we can indoctrinate you with our agenda for your life. I'm obviously exaggerating, but it can feel like that sometimes. You maybe tried saying no a time or two. You maybe tried saying, no thanks, I've got some other things God wants me to be doing these days. And when you said no, did you get kickback from the person or group of people who asked? Or maybe you said no and you got kickback from your own brain. That's probably what I experienced more often than not. When we serve because we've been called by God to do it, we will know it is right. You just feel it in your guts. You do it with joy that just kind of automatically bubbles up. This work has deep meaning to you, so you don't need outside motivation because it's something that you are internally compelled to do. When God says that he loves a cheerful giver, he's saying that it gives him pleasure to see his children giving out of that joyful bubbling over of that child's heart. That really is a beautiful thing. On the other hand, it's not such a beautiful thing to see a child serve begrudgingly or resentfully because they have to. How many times do we serve because we feel obligated? Because we know our brain is going to tell us things that make us feel guilty if we don't. I think women, in particular, are susceptible, notice the word susceptible, to serving in some capacity out of a sense of obligation rather than true calling. Not because women are naturally wired that way, but because women are conditioned to think that way in our culture 
and in our religious culture as well. Because think about it. How many men do you know that are easily guilt-manipulated into doing something? I mean, some are. But I think men in our culture are viewed as already contributing important things, and they're kind of raised to think that way. While women are raising the children and doing home management, while also many of them are holding down jobs of their own. When a man says no to a church or to something else, who gives them a hard time about it? You know, generally speaking. We tend to assume that the man has other, more important things to do, and that's why he had to say no. But a woman? What would she be doing that could be more important than what somebody else, sometimes in authority, over them thinks that they ought to be doing? So we've got this pressure to say yes coming from inside of ourselves and also coming from the outside externally. How do we deal with that? Because here's the thing. When we say yes to something, we have to say no to something else. There is always an exchange. And often we say yes to the thing that others are going to see and notice and give us kudos for, while we then have to say no to the things that we actually feel deeply inside that we're called to do, even though nobody may know that we're doing them. God has given responsibilities to the human race in general, and he gives responsibilities to individuals specifically. He places every one of us in control of some things, and you are responsible for those things. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Do you remember the parable about the talents? Each person gets to steward what God gives to them, whether it's a lot or a little. Now, whether you take control of what God gives to you or you give up your control, um, you're still responsible. Taking responsibility is a mark of adulthood. There are a lot of people running around in adult bodies who have a hard time practicing this adult skill. They're still giving up their own responsibility and letting someone else live their life for them. Why? Because they want to, or because someone told them they had to, or maybe because they think that's what God says, or maybe because they're so full of shame that they've cut off their ability to see where they've gone sideways. But you know what? It doesn't really matter why they do it. The issue is that their inability to take responsibility for their life is destroying their life. Where are your property lines? Do you let naughty people come traipsing through your home at will? Or do you lock your door at night to keep them out? You are the steward of your property. You can grow flowers or you can let the weeds take over. Your neighbor has no right to come over and plant flowers if you've chosen to let the flower beds go to rot. Your neighbor understands that while he may not like your ugly yard, it is yours, not his. He can plant all the flowers he wants in his yard, but you get to control yours. And we've all seen this play out in some neighborhoods. We would all be shocked if someone came over, barged in our house, and started cleaning up the dishes saying, Your kitchen is a pigsty from Hades. I'll take care of this for you. Likewise, we would be really annoyed if the same person got in our faces and said, 
I need you to clean up my kitchen. This is God's will for you. Who's in control of your life? The simple answer is God, with you being the steward of what he gives you to steward. Not God and your pastor, or God and your husband, or God and your children, or God and your mother-in-law. If you are an adult, he is going to hold you and you alone responsible for your choices, your time, your body, your gifts, your tongue, your emotional health, and any other opportunities or resources that he's given to you. This is part of growing up. If you think your husband or your father or your pastor is responsible for you as an adult woman, you're wrong. And we can't blame them for our choices as adult women. If you feel like your life is out of control, it's probably because you haven't taken ownership of it. You've abdicated that responsibility to those around you. Now, I know firsthand what this is all about. It was very difficult for me to grow up. I tended to just let all my mommies and daddies make the stewardship decisions for me. Okay, and by mommies and daddies, I mean... I mean, you know, any, I mean, pastors and small group leaders or my husband, other people, basically, that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I wanted them to like me and accept me. And then I would get angry because the things in my yard were out of control and I felt powerless because I wasn't allowed or I had to get permission from them to do things in my yard, meaning in my life. Okay, that's a yucky way to live. And you know what else? This is really yucky. I would get angry inside when I couldn't, and resentful, when I couldn't control other people. Do you see how messed up this is? So I abdicated responsibility for myself, and yet I took responsibility for other people and tried to control them. If we all simply exercised self-control, that's a fruit that demonstrates the Holy Spirit is controlling our lives, by the way, our relationships would be so much healthier, and so would we. You guys, we're responsible to say no to what does not align with our values and our priorities, and to say yes to what does. And it may be different in different seasons of our lives. And what may be right for one woman today may actually be the wrong thing for someone else. So we need to avoid getting all judgy and just allow people to take responsibility for themselves while we take responsibility just for ourselves. A friend once shared with me a few years ago that um, when she had been staying home from church for a few weeks due to her, uh, her baby was ill, someone had sent her a letter reproving her for her absence. Now, this is a perfect example of somebody taking responsibility for someone else. This person was taking responsibility for my friend, but it wasn't that other person's responsibility to take. It would not have been wrong for someone to give my friend a call and just ask her, how are you doing? That's being responsible to my friend, okay, or being a friend. But do you see the difference? None of us is responsible for letting someone know that you need to be at church all the time. And if you're not, you need to, you know, you need to let somebody know why, because we will hold you accountable for that. No, 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 that's not, that's, that's a parent-child relationship. And there are so many people in the Christian community 
who have the mentality that that's healthy. That's not biblical and it's not healthy. So here's the other thing though. When we give everything away, like all of our rights, our responsibilities, our gifts, our resources, we are saying in essence, I will not be responsible for these things God gave to me. I will give this responsibility to whoever else will have it or take it. If we let everyone come into our home and do whatever they please, according to their ideas and their opinions of how our home should be run, then we are no longer wisely stewarding anything. We're just giving it away. But think about this, if this really happened in real life, if everyone came and lived with you in your home, how would you be able to decide, for example, that you wanted to host a missionary family on furlough? Well, you couldn't do that because your home is full of other people. With everyone else taking over, you would not be in control to make a different choice. Letting other people run pell-mell over you is not loving at all. It's not loving them, and it's not loving you, and it's not loving the people that you are called to minister to in that season of your life. So when God does present you with a real opportunity that he has especially designed just for you, are you going to have the time and ability to grab hold of that opportunity and say a resounding yes Being selective and purposed with your life is going to reap great rewards for you and for those around you. God made us to be strong, noble queens. We are royal daughters of the King of Kings. So let's take our places by him and make choices for our lives that are driven by his word and his direction. And you guys, that's not always going to be pleasing to everyone around us. Jesus had a lot of disapproving folks that were, you know, clucking their tongues behind his back. And how did he handle that? Well, he knew who he was and he knew what his mission was. He was very focused. He managed his brain space. When someone called him a name like, you're the son of Beelzebel, he didn't suddenly have the thought, oh no, what if I am the son of Beelzebel? Or, why do they think that of me after all I've done for them? I don't act like Beelzebel. Or, who do they think they are calling me the son of Beelzebel? Or, what did I do to make them say such horrible things? Those things didn't make him feel guilty or angry or out of control. Instead, he felt unconditional love because he knew who he was. Now that doesn't mean he hung out with them and was best friends with them. He respected their lack of love and respect for him and he let them go their own way. He didn't chase after them or fawn after them or try to get them to believe him or like him or accept him. He just lived a consistent life of love and belief in who he was and what his mission was. And that's it. It's so simple. What? If we could live that way, imagine being able to say no and having the other person call you a name or probably more likely whisper behind your back and accuse you of being selfish. Imagine that and that all that you would feel for them was unconditional love and understanding for their anxiety and petulance and deep need to control all the things. But you 
felt zero guilt or shame. Ladies, I really think that's something that we can achieve with some hard work on how we think about ourselves and others and God. I recently started a new program for women who've gone through the Flying Free program already. Um, it's called Flying Higher. Do you like that? Flying Higher? I, I, I was excited when I thought of that. In Flying Free, we focus on recognizing and healing and responding to abuse. And it's been a game changer for hundreds of women. But Flying Higher is for women who are ready to kick it up a notch and focus on their own personal development outside of the abuse cycle. Now, right now, we've got almost 100 women going through that beta version of the program, but we're going to be opening it up to the public in January of 2021, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already gone through Flying Free, I highly encourage you to do that. I work very closely with the women in that group every single week to help them get out of the pit they're stuck in because of emotional and spiritual abuse. You can learn more and get on that waiting list again. I know I mentioned this at the top of this program, but you can learn more. And um, if it's not open currently, you can always get on the waiting list. We open up about every three or four months at joinflyingfree.com. Now, if this podcast has benefited your life, would you do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes? Your review can be totally anonymous, but it lets iTunes know that this content is helpful for people. And then iTunes makes it easier for others to find it. Thank you so much for listening today. Until next time, fly free.